It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies Maybe get high right, day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 3 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Today, we are joined by an international guest who has a reputation that precedes itself. You should see what this bloke is up to and what he's been creating over the last two decades, really, in regards to quality bodyboarding products and influences in the actual um, scene itself. I'm talking about none other than Sebastian Bullard. Bras, thank you for joining us. Hey, Luke. Thanks a lot for having me. Stoked to see you guys. Uh getting some media back into bodyboarding and really happy to, to be a part of it today. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped also, man. This is our third episode, obviously, as I stated at the, at the intro, and it's cool to be chatting to people inside the, the, um, the game, you know, whether it be athletes, whether it be brands, whether it be sponsors, whether it be, you know, media um, individuals. It's just cool to to the fat, so to speak, and, and see what's going on, especially over in um, the Northern Hemisphere, dude. You guys have had a, a pretty crazy hot summer, I've heard. Yeah, it was one of the craziest summer I can recall of. Like, we've had a few days in a row above 42 degrees and some oh, crazy oh. wildfires just next to, to where I'm sitting now. Actually, the, the house I'm in at the moment was evacuated because of the fires and I think 1,500 acres of land have just burnt, like, beautiful forest near La Salle. Oh, my goodness. So that's just so I can paint a picture for the viewers, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying this, but I have been wrong once or twice in my life. Um, you're down in the southwest of France at the moment in the Hosegor region. Uh, I'm actually in Arcachon. It's two hours north of Fosgore, is where I kind of grew up between here and Bordeaux, and where is the biggest club in France that is Ocean Route. And we have a quite fun beach break called La Salle, which we can't access because of those fires at the moment because there's still risk of it um, coming back. So it's on. It's only for classes, and they have a school bus going there, and the road otherwise is closed. Wow! So is it um, is it quite smoky and hazy? Like, has the conditions been you know almost hellish at the moment yes. over in, in Europe? For a while, it's been quite bad. Like this big cloud of smoke uh, all around the area. Now it's more back to normal. But still, there's a there's a big risk, so they prefer to close. But actually, Osgo was pumping last week, like really good, best best and only swell of the summer so far. And oh the guys my are goodness. making the most of it. Yeah, sick. With that, was that at uh, Le Gravier? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe maybe Senios. I don't. I, I wasn't there actually. I'm just staying here and relaxing at with family and and friends at the moment. And as yeah, we cannot serve the local break, I I haven't drove south. But I think it was either way, Le Cunu or La, Gra- La Gravier working pretty good. Yeah, epic. And, um, you know, obviously over this, this summer period, like water sports really take off over in, 
in Europe and everyone loves spending time at the beach. How has the bodyboarding centre been going along? It's a bit weird. Like the bodyboarders, you won't see them like at the main location like La Gravière. Most of the time you will see them in Cap Breton or La Bend. They try to find the quite uh, spots with like a, a frame beach break. So it's hard to locate them unless you really know where the good banks are. Whereas you'll see all the pro surfers in La Gravière, Les Cunier all the time. So it's a bit of a different scene that it used to be in the past where La Gravière was probably half-half back when Pierre was growing up and everything. So changing a bit. But now I live in Portugal and the scene there is like really big compared to what's in France, I believe. Like lots of clubs, lots of young guys and really good level in the water. So it's, it's really good to see for bodyboarding in Europe. Yeah, I was um, lucky enough to travel over to Portugal in 2017 and 18, and I was blown away. I went over with my partner, now wife, and we were just blown away, one, by the waves, two, by the hospitality, and three, by the the people. They were all so kind, all so hospitable, and just just legends I, i'm probably speaking about people that you know very well um miguel coelho and antonio sobrias and um pina and, and so many different blokes over there that just uh yeah the, top the three guys are amazing legends man and so what part of um what part of portugal are you in currently well you know where, where you're residing uh, I live in Lisbon with my girlfriend and I opened a bodyboard center in Carcavelos, which is the nearest surfable beach, I think, from Lisbon, except a few other breaks that work twice a year. And it's, uh, it can get really crowded sometimes, but it's, um, it's kind of lookalike to La Gravia when the sweat is big. And it drags people from all the Lisbon area, Sintra or all the people that surf in the, in the, from the city. And it's pretty near Ericera and all the other good breaks from that we all know about. Epic. And Pierre is also residing in Portugal now and has been for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the other side of the bridge, actually, in uh, Caparica. So there's, they have a good wedge there and he's, it's kind of his local break now for, I believe, more than 10 years. It was is that also part of sorry, why I moved to Portugal. No worries. It's also no, part of why I moved to Portugal. Yeah. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. The lag was killing us there, man. I was trying to say something. You were trying to say something. I was only going to um, quickly interrupt and say that is is his local wedge that um, crazy crazy is it Kovo or Kovo? Yeah, it is Kovo. Yeah, yeah, Kovo. You that's can it, see yeah. the. Um, you can see Lisbon on the backdrop of some photo. I think Miguel Nunes, empty MTN, took of him. It's a really, really be- beautiful place and crazy, crazy way for bodyboarding. I see when I've served there with the most bodyboarders I've seen in the water, like sixty yeah. or eighty, and no stand-ups. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was lucky enough to surf it uh, a handful of times too. We were over there and watching Pierre out there and Antonio and and. Um... I think Hugo uh, Hugo Pinero was there. Um, so many different um, bodyboarders and people I'd, I'd never seen before. And the level of bodyboarding was insane and how technical that wave can be and how many 
how many wedges it can give you and how many how little how many little wedges it can give you too because it can almost be a mirage sometimes just sitting out there and seeing all these amazing waves go by with people on them and you just can't get into a rhythm and I've had good surfs out there and I've had bad surfs out there <laughs> yeah same for me it's been it's been tough at the beginning and I've I've watched Antonio a lot he's always a standout out there but um hard for me to find the rhythm there I think I, I'll have to be back more and more because I've only served there like three or four times but it's such a sick waves for bodyboarding Wish I could it's film it. Yeah, and talking about your filming, um, I was only going over a couple of videos the other day and just, you know, looking for some some dude content to sink my teeth into to to lay back in the lounge and relax into and I was looking um through some, some clips and uh X Dsem came up, the one you filmed uh and edited for Pierre in two thousand and twenty one. It was my first the first clip I actually filmed and edited, so a bit of a different mission, and I think I was really ambitious with the project too. Should probably have started like a bit smaller, and but I'm I'm happy with the result anyway, and it was good to tell more about Pierre's life to all the viewers that haven't been able to to see Tender, and this one was to talk more about his bodyboarding career than his actual life in general, which was the aim of Tender when you see him growing up. This one was more like the last 10 to 12 years when he was signed with Pride, when he became world champion, when we, he chased crazy waves around the world and using archives of all those things. And I think it was good so that people can remember what he's been up to because um, he will... He is a big part and he will remain a big part of bodyboarding history. So happy to have started the, my journey into filming and, and bodyboarding clips with, with Pierre, I think, was the, the best possible way to start it. Oh, man, you started at the top and what a relationship you guys have developed. You can tell throughout uh, your, your dealings with Pierre and obviously his dealings with, with the with the brands and the products that you've, you've nurtured and created, they are some of the – sorry, that relationship is, is is one of the best in the world and it's produced some of the best results. Like you've seen what Pierre's done in the last decade in bodyboarding, pretty much topped the charts and is one of the most stylish and aggressive and progressive and just all-round freaks of the sport. And, um, and then obviously with your branding through uh, – yeah, you've got Pride, which that started back in 1999 in Biritz, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, it was started by Imanol, who was sold the company a few years ago. He started in a small workshop, shaping his own board and selling them until he moved to the factory in Indonesia and developed the brand more and more through the European market. And I think Pierre's signing was the signing that helped the brand take off and be one of the, the main brands, especially after Pierre won the world title the next year. So Pierre has played a really important role is in growing the brand and helping him establish what it is today. And just talking about the brand itself, what has been some of the challenges um, over over the last 22, 23 years that it's faced to get to where it is 
in the bodybuilding world at this current stage? Because quite frankly, when I look around at all the different brands um, collectively placed together, you guys sit firmly on the top when it comes to products, team riders, and the uh, I guess the media coverage through all your different trips and the in-house um, movies and series you guys have made. Like, what were the challenges that you faced and the team did in 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 the road to getting where you are today? So I, I've only been uh, working for Pride for six years now. I first started as an intern and I've been hired full-time four years ago, if I'm if I'm correct. So I'm, I don't know exactly all the, um, the stages they faced before, but I know... Back then, entering the Australian market was one of the most important things for a brand to be um, acknowledged worldwide. So that's why they had such a big team of young guys. I don't know if you remember when the when they had those flashy packaging. I think there was Kate Sharp, maybe Mitch Woodland, Sam Bennett, and then Louis. And... Oh, I remember it very well. Let me just say, Sebastian, I was one of the first little groms back in I think it was 2006 or 7 so it would have been 16 or 17 and um, the pride combos came out and I just snapped them up man I rode them for three or four years in a row loved them loved the shape loved the feel of the boards and um, yeah you guys had a really cool Aussie team going and a lot of that Aussie team was on the movement Grom trip um, yeah that that I was I was really into at the time. Also, they surf really fun nugs and surf fun Aussie pipe and a couple other waves. I think Supers was in there. Kate Sharp got a pretty sick one there. And I just, yeah, I was infatuated. So I've, I've definitely, um, I guess, been an observer of the journey from from afar looking in. So, um, yeah, I have to agree with you. But once you guys struck the Australian market, you, you took a bus all. Yeah, I think it was a really clever move for, in order to to start becoming a worldwide brand after having become big on the European market. And then I'd say for me, the next step towards becoming one of the biggest brands was organizing those team trips. This was making a um, few other brands were, were doing it, but this made a really big difference between Pride and the other brands to me. Like I would expect those team trips to drop every year just to, to watch them and, and see Pierre and sometimes there was Jared too and all the other guys. Sam Bennett was amazing to watch. And that that was for me a really big added value from Pride compared to, to all the other brands that were not really doing it. And so that's also why we've kept doing it today because it's still part of the DNA of the brand. The writers are loving it. We are loving it. And uh, the fans are loving it too. So we just keep doing it. Yeah, definitely keep doing it. Don't stop. I've been watching a couple of your, your clips lately. I really enjoyed the Peninsula one too. We um we sat down as actually a, a family, me, um, my wife and my son, and, and watched that uh, a couple of times over. Not uh, in the same day, but but over a couple of weeks, just because it had amazing cinematography coupled with, with beautiful landscapes from from that part of Europe, obviously being Portugal. And um, yeah, man, like that was that was excellent. And that just wasn't a bodyboarding flick. That was 
I had an, almost like an international kind of documentary slash movie taste to it. So, um, yeah, we, we really, really enjoyed that one. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely one of Pride's best movies, I think. Edward is really good at all the photography side and the music was on point, I, I think, as well. Yeah, it was heaps dramatic. And seeing um, Isabella in there, Isabella D'Souza, absolutely just going to ham was, was, was also uh, a, a real highlight because obviously a lot of the past team trips naturally as the sport has been in its infant stages, I guess, you know, it, I guess compared to other sports worldwide, you, you've only seen a male-focused, um, male-orientated kind of, you know, movie set up or like um a team trip set up but now as as the women are really breaking into the market and you can see the level of riding that isabella's refing is it's so cool to see and in waves of consequence you know so it's um it's definitely progressive yeah really happy it was our first team trip with pride like with the all the team we we organized a shorter one with sari and did a small clip with it but then i we decided with Fred, the CEO of Pride, to just invite Isabella on the next one. And she she went, I think, over anyone's expectation because we've never seen her ride with the boys at the same time and didn't really know what to expect. And she just, like, blew everyone's mind, I think. And she's so good to have on a trip. She She brings a super positive vibe. She's the nicest person I know, I think. And she will be on all the the next team trip for sure. Man, she has so much energy. She's like a packet of firecrackers that don't have an ending wick, you know? Like it just keeps on going and going and going. It's it's epic. Definitely. (laughs) So when's when's the next team trip coming up? Have you guys got anything brewing behind the scenes? So we have shot one in Namibia in August. That, wow. that that will be the sequel of Holy Africa. So we are bringing another retro board range and that we will release in the same time than the movie. And that will be the second and last part of Holy Africa and the second and last retro range we will do before we get back to more normal and innovative stuff from next year on. But this retrange will help us just make a um, separation between our previous designs and innovation and the next one that's coming up next year. So how are these ranges and these team trips conceptualized? Do you guys sit down in a room um, with the team riders and and the the whole, um, you know, cogs and gears and the inner workings of the pride team and put it all out on the table and discuss and then come back with a plan or is there is there more of like a um, kind of driven storyboard behind it like how are you guys coming together and making uh, these ideas a reality so the, the idea behind early Africa is to promote the retro range it's the first time we associate a, associate a project collection to a movie and the idea was just to be able to have a return in front of an expense. And it worked quite well. But regarding the destination and everything, we always try to plan something in advance with the with the riders. 
and depending on what we want to promote as well. Like we won't do a wetsuit team trip in in Indonesia in the in the near future, for instance. But <laughs> it ne- it never goes to according to to plan. Like we want to go there and we wanted to go to Namibia in 2021, and there's there hasn't been a, a swell in the season. This year we expected to go to Brazil like on a really big swell. And the really big swell was during the comp. And after the comp, the two next week were like pretty average. So last year we ended up going to South Africa, like in the last minute in of our window. And this year we actually saw a good swell in Namibia. So we just decided to go. But yeah, it pretty much never goes according to plan. We always know which wave the riders want to surf. And there's plenty of them. So... We just keep an eye out for for the charts in all the destination and try to make it happen in the window because most of them are following the world tour. So we have basically like either way like two months in winter, but in winter like Hawaii season is not the best to do a movie. It's just too crowded and super expensive for us from Europe. And then the summer season, they just have like a one month break between the world tour events. So it's a pretty short window. And sometimes you just don't really get lucky. Yeah, for sure. And talking about your athletes and, and talking about the team you have, who are your um, main team riders and and uh, what countries do they hail from? So the main international one are Pierre, Tristan, Isabella and Louis. Finnegan. Yep. So France, Brazil... South Africa and Australia. And then we have a lot of regional team riders um, in South America. Matthias Diaz is the, the main one and he's like, keeps getting better and better. And it really is a crazy movie next year. Yeah, and man, we have- the stuff we've seen coming out of Chile recently and the way he's been surfing, he's, yeah, he's next gen. He's, he's on a heater, that bloke. Yeah, and in terms of style, it's just like super clean, perfect style. And he's filming with his brother, with his, which, who is really good at filming and photography. And so they're preparing a big half an hour project for next year with many locations like Mexico, Brazil, Hawaii, Chile, and probably Europe as well. And yeah, we have plenty of other ones. Now, at the moment... in Instead of um, getting more and more riders, we're trying to focus on the younger generation. Like Moises Silva is one of our biggest hope in Chile after Matias. He's only he turned 20 last week, I think. And he's, he has a twin brother, Rodrigo, and both of them have been pushing each other in Arica for four years. And we spotted Moises when he, he made the quarterfinals in Arica in 2018 when he was 16 years old and since then we invited him on the trips and he never disappoints and he keeps getting better and better in Europe we have um, the main one after the one I've named before would be Steph Cocorelis and then we have Miguel Coelho we have Clement Lodeo in Reunion Island plenty of guys like brings good energy to the brand, they rip and they have a sick style and they're super, super nice guys. 
Yeah, I've got to agree. They are super nice, dude. Especially the mini shout out to Miguel Coelho, the man from Portugal, the legend, the myth, the ultimate yeah. rapper. <laughs> the legend, you welcomed me so well, helped me out with everything he could, and I'm going to start the journey into spearfishing with him. He sold me on it. Oh, dude, he's so talented at anything he does. Hey, like we, we um we, we went over there when he was into it, but over the years, the last couple of years, we've seen him really develop into it, and you can see him just like catching so much sea life, selling it off, winning competitions. Obviously, breath holds beyond most most normal human beings. It's yeah, he's just a a ball of energy and so much talent in it, and he can play the piano. He can play the piano so well. Yeah, we are, we're actually supporting his new video clip where he will mix his passion for piano, for spearfishing and bodyboarding. He actually played the instrumental of the video on the piano. Oh, man. See, that does not surprise me at all. It's just multi-talented, multi-talented. Yeah. Um, so... so- just just moving on um with 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 all your other um interests in the in, in the sport man like obviously you've you do a lot of work with pride and and uh the bodyboard center and and all that kind of jazz but you you have an involvement with napco global could you could you tell us a bit more about that okay so napco global is the owner of pride bodyboards and it's also a distribution company. We distribute softboards, we distribute other bodyboard brands, and we have retail stores. So the the first retail store we opened was Bodyboard Center back in maybe eight years ago in in Anglet, and then we moved to Hosgora, and then I opened a new one in Portugal this year, and it will and also a subsidiary of Napco Global that will distribute our brands in Portugal. Because we were a bit weak for the last few years in Portugal for some reasons. And we just want to be present on that market, which is really important to us. And so at, at Napco Global, I'm the I'm res, um, manager of the product development, marketing and team manager. 90% of my work is for Pride. But I help also with the store marketing and websites and stuff like this. Yeah, wow. So how did Napco Global come about? Obviously, there was pride at, at the start in, in the late 90s, but Napco Global, how did that develop? I think it it was created in the late uh, 2000s, like around 2006 or eight, by Emmanuel as well. So he just wanted to have a more diverse and bigger portfolio. So that could have helped the company thrive. And in addition to what Pride was doing at the time, so it was distributing other bodyboard brands, fin brands, and other stuff, and that helped the company establish as a main actor in in Europe on the bodyboarding market. Market. Yeah! Wow! Excellent! That's so cool! That's so 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 bloody cool! And just to hear the in the inner workings, I guess, and to see how it's all connected because obviously in Australia we're a little bit insular. We we understand um, and we see what's going on through social media and, and different interactions, but you don't really realise just being, you know, an average bodyboarder here 
down in Van Diemen's land that there is so much more activity occurring, say, in the European market, in the South American market, um, even in the African market, so to speak. It just uh, because the reason I'm bringing this up, bodyboarding doesn't seem dead here in Australia, but it's definitely kind of limping along at, at this current stage with a couple of daggers in its back and it's trying to get out of the manhole in which it finds itself in, yet you hear about all these other thriving, um, you know, I guess bodyboarding epicenters all around the world and you just wonder what has happened here in comparison to what is happening over your way. That's why I'm so intrigued to hear how it's all going. Yeah, but like the problem you, you've had in Australia, I think we're kind of facing them in in Europe and everyone as and everywhere else in the world as well. Like the, the biggest start biggest stars of the sport back ten years ago are still selling so many boards everywhere in the world that it's hard for the youth to get like good sponsorship and promoters that sell because the, the customers I believe they a lot of them are still living in the past and they want to buy them retired pros boards and that doesn't help the market we are trying to keep developing today to give a future to the to, to the younger guys because the, the level of the young guys today is amazing and they are not lacking any skills or whatever they just need to develop a profile and sell boards to make their career possible yeah definitely and i guess obviously too COVID doesn't help. The last two to three years, I guess, has been a bit of a bit of a hump in the road, and it's kind of stopped a lot of different supply chains, and it's has stopped international travel, and has put so many different restrictions and so many different um, chains and shackles, so to speak, on on say world class events that would normally go ahead. I guess you know, looking at the IBC and looking how they're bringing um, the competition uh, arena back to to world bodyboarding. You were only recently over in the Maldives for that comp. How how was it over there, man? How was the vibe? How was the level of competition? Tell us a bit about it. I was pretty amazed by the organization, to be honest. Like, I've been to all the South American events. I've been to the event in Europe and was really really good and knowing it's their first year i think they can pull one of the biggest events we'll see on tour i believe the government is interested to even increase the funding i'm not sure about that it's nothing official but from what i've heard on the on the com side like everyone was super happy the president came the prime minister came and the first lady unveiled the trophy and everyone was super happy with the atmosphere all the locals were cheering for for their local athletes too. And the vibe was amazing, really. And the wave was really over my expectations too. I was expecting like a pretty average soft left and uh, the bigger they delivered some pretty amazing conditions for a World Tour event. So, yeah, so what was the wave like, man? Like, you know, I only saw, um, yeah, you only see clips and, and, and highlights and all that kind of stuff. And, I haven't had a chance to, to watch the comp the whole way through on the um, YouTube channel, but what what was the – like, describe the actual left, because when I was looking at in some of the photos, there, is that a road or a bridge going behind it or encompassing the way? Like, how is it set up? So, actually, yeah, there's a, 
the the road you see at the back is a bridge going to the airport that was built recently and on the left side of the um, the area they have built um artificial beach so those two things have affected the wave and make it less perfect than it used to be i've seen footage and photos that the locals showed me from before it was just like the most perfect left-hander with super glass super glassy but still is like a really good good quality wave the left when i was there was definitely the best like start we can start with a really good barrel and then there's a there's a ramp in the end sometimes there's a second section that makes a close out but you can still hit the leap or make the barrel and the right there's actually two right one that starts from below the bridge that we've seen one afternoon was pretty wedgie and some of the pros were getting some good ones and then there's the right of the left so the left is called padding and they call the um, the right uh backdoor padding i think so the artificial beach makes it much shorter than it used to be but there's still some sections to to it i don't think the judges awarded the um, the right much and they preferred to see and they, they saw more scoring poter- potential on the left, so the riders were mostly going for the left, but it's a really good good location, and depending on the swell direction, I think it can be better on the right or better on the left. Yeah, epic. And so, obviously, with the briefing of, of every day, depending on the swell direction and winds, the judges um, would, would, would let the athletes know of the criteria and what they're looking for on the day? Yeah, I think so. But it's basically been only the the left, like the whole comp. The right was there, but not as good. All the best wave would be left. So sure, the be... riders would know they just have to go for the left. And the criteria was doing like bottom turns. So if you just hit the leap and don't bottom turn, they would like really underscore you. You can see that in a hit between... Ali and Tanner. Tanner does a really big flip, but no bottom turn, and he get like a six. And it would have been probably excellent score if he if he had done a bottom turn. So that surprised everyone. But then they they were consistent with that criteria, and it was interesting to see like clean landings too. That's probably not something we saw in the contest in the part, and that uh, helped them uh, make a difference between an average looking flip and a good flip like the landing and the bottom turn i think it was it's probably a good thing to to follow on for the future in order to make a difference between like average flips and good flips yeah i totally agree because you could just keyhole that comp to four or five riders who have flips on lock and can do them in their sleep so when you throwing those other different uh, points of the criterion and making sure that they have to tick them off on their way to try and get an excellent score. I think that really levels the playing field out and um, and helps with competition. Talking about riders who were um, following the, the criterion and um, really uh, presenting themselves well to the judges, who do you feel in, in your mind? And like, obviously, we know Dub um, won the comp both in the men's and in the DK, which is just... Unbelievable, but throughout the entire comp, bar the final, obviously, who was the who was the standout? I'd say Tanner, to be honest. Yeah. He was so technical, so 
fast in the maneuvers and I, I thought he'd won and I, I'm rooting for Tristan for the, the world title this year obviously so I was like super scared where, when watching the call and when Dub got that I think he got the 10 point ride against Tanner and, and just beat him in the semi-final like I was like so relieved not not because I don't like t- Tanner or anything just because I'm I was super scared for Tristan <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah like I, I i i totally get you because you you've obviously got your eggs in one basket there with the whole pride team behind tristan but then you can see all the threats popping up through the comp and, and who's got that wave wide i remember seeing the replay of dubs 10 in that semi-final you mentioned and it looked like quite a large solid set wave that he um he spent a long time in the barreling that was from start to finish pretty much it was, was that more a wave that was a kind of perfect running wave that didn't present so much of a bowl but kind of ledged out in the whole reef and just ran yeah it was like i think i'm already got a similar one too those were the two best wave we've seen the whole event like when you see the wave small you never expected to do it like this when it's big and even the bigger sets of the day were not even washing through or anything. I think it can even end a little bigger. Wow. Sick. Did, and, um, the, so the thing was, that, Sorry. No, no, no. You you go. It's, I'm, I'm bad with this lag stuff, man. Please go. No worries. Sorry. So, yeah, I think the, the thing that played a big part in the... the why Amory and Deb get, get, got to the final is because they they understood well what were the best waves on that day while the younger guys were looking for for the ramps and yeah the, the best the best wave of the day were just like big barrels and they rode them perfectly so talking about you know I guess competitors like Amore, who's been such a seasoned bet, he's got the eye of the tiger. He, you know, is a is a fierce, strong competitor with some of the best bodyboarding um, flow and and a range of moves that that you know anyone in the sport has ever possessed. With the whole comp scene going on and those and the bunch of athletes all there clustered together, what's the feel like around the actual comp? You know, obviously I've, I've detailed that. Amore seems like that steely kind of head down competitor. Is there anyone else in there that has those sort of attributes or they're more kind of chilled and easygoing? Like how do all the athletes um, prepare and, and, and kind of get ready for for competition day? I think it really depends on on the athletes you're talking about. Like if you know anyone who knows Tristan knows he's on a mission. Like he has this goal and he won't stop till till he reach them. And some other people are more laid back. Some people try to relax before a comp. I think it's it really depends on the on the competitors. For instance, Pierre now is like try to blend everything with the family life, the free surf trips, and the competitions. And he doesn't. I think he used to spend probably more time focusing just on competition to to become a world champion which he will probably get back to doing in the next few years. Amoris, I don't know him a lot personally, but he seems to be a machine. If he had followed the old tour this year, he would, he would probably be 
in the title race still, and he could win any year still in the next few years, I think. So, yeah, I guess it depends on the athletes. Tanner seems a bit more chill, too, on his way to prepare for, for an event and just, like, really naturally talented and he has been competing for almost 15 years now, which is crazy being so young. So just all depends on the athlete, I think. Yeah, wow. Did, um, just to, I don't want to ruin our conversation, but was, was that still recording? Could you still hear me on, on your end in the last minute or so? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. Just for listeners out there, if you do hear a little lapse in uh, conversation, it's just because of our connection from being southern to the northern hemisphere. And I also might have accidentally exited out of that app while um, while we were speaking then. So, yeah, just wanted to clear that up. But um, <laughs> moving on, man. So your, your time at Pride has been over the last six years. You've been working for Napco Global. Um, you've obviously opened up a bodyboarding center over in Portugal. What's what's next on the um, agenda for Sebastian, and where do you see yourself uh, and bodyboarding going in the future? So my main goal today is to to keep pride at the top, but also to to settle that Portuguese company and make it sustainable over the next few years because it was my my biggest project this year. And now it's started and just need to get it like sustainable and profitable so we can invest more in Portugal and and this will help Napco and Pride being stronger at the world in Europe and keep doing team trips even though the the flights were crazy this year and I hope it will go down because otherwise it will just end up reducing the amounts of trips we can do having our riders to, to keep being world champions. And if every, everything succeeds, there's no reason to change in the near future, I think. I, f- I feel like you've got the ethos uh, down pack, man, when it comes to making a sustainable market for for bodyboarding in um, whatever pursuit you guys uh, embark on, because it's it's... It's so easy to just say, I'm going to go and produce this product and, you know, put this rider here and make these things happen and blah, 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 blah. But without having the business model that you're, you're so, um, you know, joyfully discussing, man, and I can, I can hear in your voice, it's really good vibes and you've got the, positivity and you've got the best intentions at heart when it comes to keeping bodyboarding growing and and moving forward because you're looking to put money back into the riders money back into the brands money back into the sport and the competitions and and everything that goes with it i think you know in the last 10 years or so there's been a bit of a um you know, there's 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 been a bit of a to and fro when, when it comes to you know people having a real dig in regards to making sure bodyboarding is sustainable and putting those those business structures in place to to keep it thriving to keep it going because it feels like we're we're just kind of an empty skeleton at the moment and we're missing all the vital organs and and everything that kind of goes with it. But from 
talking to you over the last 40, 43, 44 minutes as I look down at my phone, you can tell that um, you guys have a grand plan and it's really cool to see that someone is taking the reins of this wild, crazy, off-the-leash horse we call bodyboarding, you know? Just bring it back in the line, straighten it up, and away we go to the winning post. Bloody epic. Yeah, thank you very much. That's that really means a lot to us, and we couldn't do it without the customers because they they got the power, and they got the power to to change things. So if they like something and if they want they like a new riders, they just they can support him by buying his stuff. That's just as e- as easy as it's always been. It's just that the money now is just flowing towards different direction, and people used to. We made amazing careers and the, probably the best videos we've seen, but it's time for a change, I guess. For sure, man. And talking about the brands and keeping money um, siphoning back into the sport, and we've got a nice, healthy, you know, structure internalizing here within bodybuilding. What brands covering from flippers, leash, leashes, wetsuits, um, boards, you know, all the different hardware that and obviously you've got a conflict of interest, you're working with certain brands, but underneath your umbrella, what are the different types of brands that um, could, 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 that people could buy and consume and put money back into the sport? Uh, it's hard for me to, to say right now because I'm a bit biased, as, as you said, but for instance, before I worked with Pride, Stealth was doing amazing, like when they had Jake Stone, George Humphries, um, Nick Gornall, all those videos. And I was the biggest sales fan and buying, buying the birdied lady back then. So I just, <laughs> it, it keeps depending on which brand has a good dynamic. Hopefully there's more than one. Like Liam Lucas at the moment, they really like the Australian distributors released the pro model. And I think it's really clever because he's pushing it and he's got a six side and that's what Australian loves. So. I, if I was Australian, young, and willing to support a rider, I, I'd probably buy his board now, or Louis' board, or George's board. Yeah, sweet. And so I guess, like, with 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 the market over in Europe, what kind of wetsuits are going around? What kind of leashes? Obviously, because in, in, in Australia, like, half the bodyboarders really are probably wearing uh, surfing-style wetsuits. They're, they're either wearing... Not always, but you know, and me, me myself included, sometimes like it'll it'll be the uh, Need Essentials or the Delio, the Rip Curl, Billabong. Um, you know, what kind of wetsuits and and hardware are, are being produced over in Europe for people to to kind of sink their teeth into? I think it's pretty much the same situation here in Europe as well. There's been so few bodyboarding brands doing wetsuits in the past that they've been used to buy. Either way, deeply, if they want a cheaper one or rip curl or or whatever, that half of the bodyboarder at least don't wear a bodyboard brand wetsuit. But since we released the we released the Ninf wetsuit, it's been going really well, and I think we're gaining more and more, getting more and more into the market. And the bodyboarders are also, at least some of them, uh, pay attention and want to support it, and it's. It's re- it's really good for us, and I've been wearing the Ninfuet suits ever since we released them, obviously. And but yeah, still, I, as you say in Australia, it's pretty much the same in Europe. Half of them wear wear the um, 
surfing brands like I think Deeply is probably pricing the same as Need Essential. So if you are on a lower budget, you just go with these ones. And some people who have more money to spend, they will spend 500 euros on a on a rip curl, the last e bomb wetsuit. And those who truly care about bodyboarding, they will buy um, a Nin for a Sendosen or a Gyro because the quality is there. The materials are great. Like we're only using Ulex, like Patagonia, and priced way below. And uh, the manufacturing process is just as good. So, so yeah, it, it's pretty much the same everywhere for this. South America is really good with bodyboarding wetsuit. It used to have Agent 18 a lot, and now Nymph is really big there. Excellent, man. You were just speaking about Ulex and referring back to Patagonia. For the listen, listeners at home. What is the ULAX composite and um, and why is it so good for sustainability and bodyboarding? So ULAX is natural rubber sourced for FSC, which is forest, steward, conceal, or FSC forest. So they are basically managed sustainably. They are not a one-species forest. They don't kill the animals. They don't put pesticides. And they don't participate into deep forest station that's the word in in english yes it so is bang on the carbon footprint of ulex is way lower than anything else that is petrol based or limestone based and it's better than just normal bioprint which is the same product in the end but that doesn't come for fsc forest so the, the label is important because it they make sure so the local community working harvesting the the ulex and his benefits to the locals too and not just like buying big big piece of land cutting it all down and putting the the robot trees the avia trees so compared to limestone uh, the carbon footprint is lower compared to bioprint the the local impact and the deforestation impa- impact is much better too Epic, man. And I guess the number one question is, <clears throat> excuse me, the number one question is, obviously that, that sounds all well and good and, and it is because it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a frog in my throat. <clears> throat. Um, obviously that is like one of the most important things when you're producing a certain product that it is sustainable and you're keeping the cost down compared to uh, other rival companies and, and keep perfecting the, um, the art of manufacturing that way. But does it keep your nuts warm in winter, mate? Because it is freezing in Europe. Like, it does warm? keep you warm. Yeah, it really, it really keeps you warm. Like, um, I don't know if you watch Irish Gamble, but the water was twelve degrees, and they were all wearing four um, three because we didn't receive the five four by then, and no, none of them was even cold in the water. Moises was not even wearing his hood. And they were all really fine with the the four three, and it's actually really warm. Wow, that is incredible! Because I guess the Irish waters would be some of the coldest in the world, um, you know, on a, any given day with all those huge tidal fluctuations and crazy winds and all the different weather it gets up there. That's a that's a testament to the suits. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and we're we're gonna push it a little more towards the north this winter. Hopefully, if we get a good shot to to see how the five four is the hood is responding to 
eight or nine degree waters, but I think it will be just fine. We, we tested them also at the wave pool. The water was eight or nine degrees, and it's just really, really nice and warm. Which wave pool was that? Uh, we went to Switzerland. Yeah, I forgot to mention that one. We actually went to Alaya Bay, and I've shot a clip we will release next month with Pierre, Steph, Isabella, and Simone, the, our Italian guy. Wow, I didn't know there was a wave pool in Switzerland. What what was it called again? It's called Alaya Bay. It's basically the same setup as Urban Surf. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they we they got the pool just for for the team so we could shoot and they put the the best mode on and we got some really really fun waves and we also went with all the. Um, all the crew behind Pride, so the our CEO, our sales manager, and the interns as well, and Simon, who with whom I've been shooting all the the last team trips with. So we just rent a big house in the Swiss Alps and went skiing the next day. It was really really fun time. No way! So you went from wave pool action to then trotting up the road up to a, a, a glorious Swiss mountain and just hopped on the skis for the day. Exactly. It's just like half an hour drive and you're in the best station in Europe. Oh, my goodness, man. Where is this place? Take me to it. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's the landscape is amazing too. Like, the most beautiful mountain you'll see in Europe, I think. Oh, dude. And to have everyone there, not just the athletes, but the, I guess, like the marketing side of things and the technological side of things, like that would just be such a treat. There'd be a whole range of bodyboarding um, styles and standards and abilities, but everyone coming together and just, just going crazy would have been such a cool day. Yeah, exactly. We went like for four days, a bit of party, a bit of skiing, a bit of bodyboarding. So it was just, everyone loved it. Man, you Europeans definitely know how to party for sure and stay up quite late. Were there a couple of um, long and uh, weary drives um, back and back and forward on, on those on those uh, four days of of fun? Because I can only imagine you're trying to mix partying with surfing and skiing and everything else. Like, uh, yeah, there would have been some sore heads. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Our sales manager will remember the f- the first night. Got locked, <laughs> locked himself in the the sauna of the house and couldn't couldn't get out and he was almost dry when we when we saved him. What? So he was in the sauna and and he was he was locked in. So I had to keep on copying that severe heat and and dehydration and just running with the situation. Was he was he like a prune when you got him? He, he was like pretty drunk, yeah, and he. He, he doesn't remember how he got in the sauna um, <laughs> in the first place, but I don't remember who found it, but he he, was, he stayed in there like one hour and a half and he was like fully sweating and probably not not much water left in his body. Oh man, an hour and a half is insane. I do 15, 20 minutes in the sauna. I'm proud of myself and think that's a long period of time, like an hour and yeah, a that, half. That's more than enough, I think. Oh Bro, let's put it this way: he's definitely flushed out all the um all the toxins and all the all the crap in his his body that would have put in for that weekend. An hour and a half is is enough to drain a bloody yeah. Olympic swimming pool. Hopefully, yeah. But uh, oh, golden, <laughs> golden, golden, golden dude. Well, um, 
Man, I, I just wanted to thank you so much, Sebastian, for coming on the Rippy Potty, man. It's been such a good chat. It's so cool to hear how the European market's going, how you guys are developing it all, like the, the inner workings for the major brands over there, hearing about the team trips, um, all the different riders you're, you're sponsoring and how everything's coming up and, and obviously the IBC and how they're going in leaps and bounds, man. It's 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 really cool to talk to someone um, of your stature and and also with your passion in bodybuilding, man. It's been it's been a hoot. So thank you. Thanks a lot for having me as well, and thanks a lot for all the guys being riptide for what you're doing. Can can't wait to see it all come together, and I'll be the first to subscribe for sure. Happy days, bro. We'll be we, we'll be flicking you one for sure. Don't you worry, man. Thank you again, Sebastian, and um, I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Have a good one. It was all a pipe dream. Watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats. Eating bakery feeds at 18. Living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen.